It's great to see you here this last Sunday, or first Sunday of August. Uh, We're wrapping up our Lord's Prayer series today. I'm kind of sad about that. I uh, have really been personally challenged by uh, going through the Lord's Prayer line by line over the last several weeks. If you've missed some of the um, messages, I want to encourage you that you can go on to our webpage and go to the media section and view some of the prior sermons and uh, get the benefit of those if you've missed them. I know in summer it's a real hard thing, uh, you know, to be to church consistently. The things are just crazy and traveling a lot and stuff. So I want to encourage you to use that resource. Um, I have personally been tremendously affected um, by going through the Lord's Prayer this way. Uh, just a couple days ago I was running. I ran around town early in the morning and uh, praying and begin to pray using this format for my family and for all of you. And uh, it just was very moving. I'll do anything I can, by the way, to avoid thinking about running. And so praying is a good way to take my mind off uh, what my body is going through at that moment. But uh, I want to really encourage you to use these tools that uh, we've been talking about the last few weeks and use it to connect with God in, in just a really cool way. We're going to get to a line today in the Lord's Prayer that's probably the most misunderstood line of the prayer, and I'm not going to try to dissect it too much or analyze it too much because I really want to stay focused on the implication of it and the application of it, but I will talk about it a little bit because there are questions surrounding it. The line that we're getting to this morning is, and lead us not into temptation, but deliver us from the evil one. And the question that arises is, what does it mean when we ask God, don't lead us into temptation. Well, I can tell you for sure we know what it doesn't mean. It does not mean that God would try to entice people to do evil. And the reason I can say that with 100% assurance is that James chapter 1, verse 13 tells us so. In that section of Scripture, we're told, when tempted, no one should say, God is tempting me. For God cannot be tempted by evil, nor does he tempt anyone. Now, one of the definitions of temptation is to be enticed to do wrong, to do evil. But we know that isn't what this means because other scripture tells us so. Amen? Now, I've read a few commentaries I have on this section of the prayer to to get the insight of some other people who have looked at it. Now, all the commentary is is some kind of biblical scholar who's looked at a section of scripture and gives you his or her opinion on it. So all I'm going to talk with you about for a couple moments here are opinions of people. So if you don't like them, that's okay. If you want to throw them out, fine. It's just the opinion of some people anyway. But one commentary I was reading said, what is being talked about here more is God saved me from the devil leading me into temptation. Deliver me from the evil one. And the reason for that thought process, why you would ask God for that, is that God is sovereign over all creation, even the devil, right? And so if we don't want the devil to lead us into temptation, it's all right to say, God, don't lead us into temptation. Understanding what we're saying is basically don't let the evil one lead me into temptation, deliver me from the evil one. 
Interesting take on it, right? And uh, in that commentary, as I read on further, uh, the author said, um, perhaps this piece of the Lord's Prayer could be reinstated this way. Lord, lead me away from those things that tempt me. Lead me now. Please help me not to think of this thing that tempts me. Help me not to want to do that or fail in that manner. Amen. So we know with clarity that God doesn't entice people to do evil because he's not evil and he doesn't tempt that way. Well, as I read a couple more commentaries, they took some different angles on what this portion of the Lord's Prayer means. They said it's probably more a reference to testing. And that's another piece of the definition of temptation is to be, tempt, uh, to be tested. And they said possibly what God was saying here, what the Lord Jesus was saying here is, do not lead us into further testing while you're delivering us from the evil one, from the devil. What they're basically praying is, God, I'm overwhelmed by all this stuff. Don't let any more come to me right now. I can't deal with it. Now, this interpretation for me personally uh, is challenging uh, because biblically speaking, we're told that God will test us at times and he will put us through the refiner's fire and his hand is in that testing. So I don't know if I particularly personally like these commentaries take on it, but I thought I would share it with you anyway. And I'm not going to do any more analysis than that on this section of the Lord's Prayer because I really want to get into the declaration and the implication in a deep way this morning. So the declaration is simply this, and lead us not into temptation, but deliver us from the evil one. The implication is deliverance. God, we as your people need deliverance. So as you pray the Lord's Prayer and you get to this piece of the Lord's Prayer and you say, and lead me not into temptation, but deliver me from the evil one, what you're really saying to God is, God, I need this deliverance in my life. I need to be delivered from the captivity of the devil and from the allurement of temptation. I need deliverance. And that's what I want to talk with you on this morning. Deliverance, because I think God has provided us with deliverance a lot more than we realize. I think he's made a big provision for our deliverance, and we need to step into it. We need to see it, recognize it, and grab a hold of it this morning. And that's what I want to talk with you on for a few moments. The key verse I want to use is kind of getting our thought process going is 1 Corinthians 10, verse 13, which says... No temptation has overtaken you except what is common to mankind. And God is faithful. He will not let you be tempted beyond what you can bear. But when you are tempted, hear this now. But when you are tempted, he will also provide a way out so that you can endure it. So you and I have to become convinced. And this is our big thought this morning. God has made provision for a way out of temptation. Did you hear what I just said? God has made a way out, a provision when it comes to temptation. We just need to step into his deliverance. We need to step into his provision. And that's what I want to talk with you on for a few moments today. Now, this is a different message in some regards. And some it's pretty typical. 
But if you look carefully at your note guide and your bulletin, you're going to see there's a lot of blanks for you to fill out, a lot of opportunity for you to do some self-analysis and participate in the message this morning. I strongly, I can't say how strongly, I encourage you to do that, to participate, because otherwise this message won't have the impact I think it could have in your life. So when you have the opportunity, do some self-analysis this morning, do some self-awareness when it comes to this topic of temptation, because it's going to take root in you. We all face temptations. Do you face temptations? Any of you? I do all the time. And this is very applicable, and it, it works really well. So, so please hear what the Spirit has to speak this morning uh, through this message. First of all, listen to this. Become aware of temptation and how it works. Become aware. Boy, I'm into that anymore. I think we live in a culture where there's not a lot of self-awareness. And we as Christians need to become aware of how temptation works in our life so that we can do battle with it. Jesus is close to his crucifixion. He's in the Garden of Gethsemane with his disciples. He says to his disciples, you sit over here. I'm going to go over here and pray. And he begins to pray this heartfelt prayer, uh, you know, uh, of what he's going through. And he, 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 he reveals to God that anxiety of going to the crucifixion, but not your will be done. Uh, not my will be done, God, but your will be done in my life. And he gets this great prayer, right? Well, he goes back to his disciples after he's having this heart-rending prayer, and he finds them asleep. And he says to them these words in Matthew chapter 26, verse 41. Watch and pray so that you may not fall into temptation. The spirit is willing, but the body is weak. The disciples were over here slumbering and resting, and they were going to face the trial of their life, so to speak. They were so unaware of what was going on. And Jesus says, watch and pray. You don't know about the trial that you're about to experience. You don't even understand the temptation that's going to come upon you. Become aware and do battle with it. I have a short exercise now for you to participate in to help you all become aware of temptation and how it works in your life. Do the exercise with me. Think about this. It's a short exercise, but it can change your awareness of temptation. So here we go. Are you ready to do some exercising? Where are the places you are most tempted? Maybe you want to write one of those down in the blank provided for you. Where are the places you are most tempted? Are you even aware of them? Where you go someplace and you just begin to be tempted. Are you noticing that? And here's the big question. Can you avoid them? And if you can't avoid them, are you going in aware that you're entering into this place that will tempt you? And your guard is up and you're ready to put the appropriate kind of uh, you know, limitations of interaction on or whatever needs to take place. Secondly, when are you most tempted? Is there a cycle to temptation in your life? Are you tempted when you're tired? Are you tempted when you come to an anniversary of some event in your life that was really difficult? 
Are you tempted when you're alone? Are you you tempted more late at night? Do you go on a business trip and you're by yourself and you're away from your family so you're more tempted? Become aware of when you're tempted. Put up some stuff that will stop it, that will cut the cycle. If you're going on a business trip and you're tempted to do some things wrong there because you're away from your family, call your spouse. Set something up to stop it, but become aware of how that works. Put some guards in your life. Who is with you when you are tempted, are most tempted? Sometimes there's just some bad company in our lives that lead us astray. In your relationships with people, who influences whom? Do you have some friends that cause you to do wrong things? They influence you more than you influence them. They influence you to do things that you normally wouldn't do, and you're not influencing them to do the right. You have to ask some tough questions then. Can I hang around with these people until I figure this out? The Bible says that a companion of fools is led to his or her destruction. And sometimes we have friends that are just good at getting us to do things we ought not to do. Do you know what I'm saying, don't you? And you have to say, okay, how do I relate to that person? How do I switch it around so I influence them for the good, not them influencing me for the bad? How do you feel right before you are tempted? Have you had a moment of anger? Are you lonely? Are you overly tired? Are you feeling like life isn't very good? I'm dissatisfied. How do you feel? Get in touch with yourself. I used to say this in my family. I don't anymore because they harass me so much. But oftentimes when one of my family members aren't doing well, I say, you need to take a nap. You need to get some rest. And they, they used to say to me, Dad, sleep isn't always the solution. I said, yeah, but oftentimes it is. You're just tired. You're just worn out. Listen, we live in a worn out culture. People are exhausted all the time. And when you're exhausted, you're vulnerable. And our exhaustion is kind of our own fault because we let our culture run us ragged. When will we put our foot down and say, enough of this nonsense? I don't have to do this in my life. I don't have to live this way in my life. I don't have to go 100,000 miles an hour all the time. Rest is often our friend. A rested spirit will resist temptation better than an exhausted one. What temporary benefit do you think you'll get if you give in to the temptation? List it. Oftentimes, if we'll list what we think is a temporary benefit and then put alongside it the long-term consequences... It doesn't look so good. It doesn't look so good. It's not worth it. But often in that moment, your whole life is skewed and you don't see things clearly. Take a moment with a temptation to say, if I give into this temptation, there are these temporary benefits. What are the long-term consequences? Usually the long-term consequences are way more severe than the momentary benefits. These are a few ways of becoming aware. This is a provision, a way out, a way of escape 
when it comes to temptation because the body is weak, but the spirit is willing. Become aware of how temptation works and use it as one of the ways of escape. Let's move on to this second way of stepping into God's provision of deliverance. I'm going to begin with an illustration. When my, little, uh, when my, when my two oldest daughters were little, they're not so little anymore. <laughs> One's 36 and the other's 34. Anyway, when they were just little girls, we moved to Pella, Iowa, and bought a house there that had a driveway that was kind of steep. So when they would get on their little trikes, they would go zooming into the street. <laughs> it wasn't a good thing. But gravity just kind of took them that direction. So, and I thought this was genius. We came up with a solution, Vicki and I, we talked about it, and I put a two-by-four about three feet out the end of the driveway, and I said to the girls, you cannot go past this two-by-four because it's dangerous on the other side of the two-by-four. You can get hit by a car. And I explained all the logical consequences as much as I could to them, but I told them, if you do go over the two-by-four, you'll get in trouble for me too. And they were really pretty good about it. Plus, a two-by-four was a physical stop for the trike. It would hit it and stop, you know. But I noticed this. They played around that two-by-four an awful lot. They got this whole big yard, and they're messing around around the two-by-four. Put it the one boundary in the yard, and there they are. By that two-by-four all the time. And I would say, the backyard's huge. Go play in the backyard. You got all this place you can play with safe. Why are you here by the two-by-four? Well, because it's our natural propensity to hang around temptation. If this edge of this platform is temptation, I dare say most of us would do this, hang our toes over the end of it. We just dangle, we just hang around that thing way, way too much. Here's some counsel. It's point number two. Avoid evil and temptation as much as possible. Get away from it. Get away from it. Proverbs chapter 4, verse 26 through 27 says this. Give careful thought to the paths for your feet and be steadfast in all your ways. Do not turn to the right or to the left. Keep your foot from evil. Now, I'm not naive when it comes to temptation. It's all over in our culture. But you know what? A lot of the time, we can just avoid it. We can just walk away from it. We don't have to dance around it. We don't have to dance with it. We can just avoid it. Sometimes you can't, but most of the time I think you really can. Learn to walk away and distance yourself from temptation. Listen, let me get practical. If you're on a diet, don't go to the bakery. (laughs) You're on a diet. Don't go where there's a thousand donuts. You know, you're on a diet, right? You just avoid the places that would cause you to fail. Now, if you have a lust issue, we'll talk a little more serious. If you have a lust issue of some sort going on, on your TV, block the channels that are inappropriate and have only your mate know the code to unblock those channels. I mean, if you're a guy and you have a lust problem, don't go into Victoria's Secret. It's not going to help you. Your wife might want to go there, but that's up to her. Be smart. If alcohol is an issue for you, don't buy beer and have it in your fridge. Come on, be smart. Don't go to a bar. Just don't provide for it. If you're tempted to slander or gossip and there's a group over here going, blah, 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 and you know they're talking wrong, don't go there. Just turn around and walk the other way. Avoid temptation 
as much as possible. Here's a question for you to consider this morning. What temptation is God telling you to avoid right now? What temptation is he saying, just get away from it? See, God has made a provision, a way of escape. He's made a way for deliverance. Will you step into it? Often becomes the question. Temptation often begins with a heart that's a bit dinged up. And oftentimes, deliverance from the evil one, deliverance from temptation will begin to happen as we address heart issues where we're given places for attack to happen in us because our heart's not in a right condition. So Proverbs 4.23 says, above all else, guard your heart for everything you do flows from it. And so we're to guard our hearts. We're to do this active heart analysis and guard our hearts. And so we have an inventory to take this morning. I want you to pull this out. It's in your, it's in your bulletin if, if you look in there. I want you to take this heart inventory with me very quickly. I'm going to go through this super fast, but I would encourage you to go back to it and consider some of these categories and where your heart's at. And what we're going to do here is, is do a little self-examination again. How is my heart doing? Because... Oftentimes, temptation happens in a place of vulnerability in our inner person when our soul is not quite right. So we're going to do a heart inventory. Zero means I am not doing very good. Four means I'm rocking this baby. I'm doing really good on it, okay? Just so you understand the scoring system. So I'm going to walk through these categories super quickly. Ask how you're doing, and you mark down how you're doing on your, on your heart inventory card. So are you physically exhausted all the time? Do you feel just tired or do you feel energetic and in shape? Because oftentimes, just by being worn out and exhausted, you're very vulnerable to temptation. So if you're not doing good there, mark a zero. If you're doing really well there, mark four. Second line, are you discouraged or encouraged? What would people around you say? Are you a discouraging person? Mark a zero. Are you encouraged and the encouragers around you? Mark a four. Are you bored? Or are you challenged? Oftentimes, boredom leads to temptation. David should have been where the kings were at during the time of the year when kings go to war. But instead, he stayed home. He was bored. He's looking out, and he sees this beautiful girl named Bathsheba, right? And he's tempted to do what's wrong. Why? Because he's bored, and he's not challenged. Are you spiritually dry, or are you spiritually alive? Is God's word active in your life? Do you enjoy uh, meditating on God's word? Do you enjoy singing praise songs like we sang today? Does your heart sing to God? Do you think on God? Are you spiritually dry or spiritually alive? Are you distant from loved ones or are you close to loved ones? If you're distant, you mark zero. If you're close, you mark four. Oftentimes, we distance ourselves from people to our own harm. Are you wounded? Are, is your soul kind of bleeding? Is this soul sores going on in you, so to speak? Or are you understood? Do you understand yourself? Uh, do others understand you? Do you understand what's going on in life? Uh, do you have this healthy self-awareness? Are you insecure? Or are you secure? Do you have ego needs? Do you have to be first? Or are you secure in Jesus Christ? Are you bitter or angry, or have you forgiven everyone? We talked about this one the last couple of weeks. Have you forgiven others, and uh, there's no captivity going on in your, in your life that way, or, or um, are you bitter and angry, zero to four? Are you sad or joyful? Be honest now, are you sad or joyful? 
I see an awful lot of sad Christians. And I understand life can be hard and things can be uh, uh, difficult and there can be trials, but as a follower of Jesus Christ, there should be a prevailing joy. There should be a prevailing joy. Are you joyful or are you sad? Do you feel like a failure? Do you feel like a success? Two to four. Now, if you got a perfect score, which would be 40, you add these all up, you add all what you circled up and get a total score, and the most you can get is 40, you need to take the quiz again. You're not answering it honestly. If you got a 40, okay? If you got a zero, you really need help. Or you're just extraordinarily hard on yourself. A good healthy score is 20 or above. But here's what this is good for. Here's what this is good for. You can see areas where you're going, my heart's a little dinged up here. I'm not doing so good. That needs to become a point of prayer, a, a, a point of, of, of recognition and dealing with it. Uh, David, you know, after he had that affair with Bathsheba that I just talked about a little bit uh, and was restored, he, he prayed to God, create in me a new heart, oh God. Create in me a right spirit. Use this and say, okay, God, I am a wounded person. And you don't want me to be wounded. You want me to understand what's going on. You want me to know how to deal with these hurts. Create in me a new heart in this regard. And put your spirit in me so that I walk healthy and my heart is right. Listen, a strong heart is hard to, get, uh, to be tempted. Okay? That's why this is important. Guard your heart. All right, let's move on. I know I work this way. Most likely, you all work this way. But when there's a temptation in my life, I tend to, the more I focus on resisting that temptation, the more I think about it. So I don't like a lot of desserts. They're not really that tempting to me. But I do like peach pie. And I do like zucchini bread an awful lot. My wife just made zucchini bread. And I tell you what, it's so, so good. So I eat a slice and I think, that's probably enough. I could use another slice, though. And I just think on it, and I think on it. And the more I try not to think on it, the more I think on it, and think, I just have another slice and get it over with. Well, then I'm thinking on another slice. And that's kind of how temptation works. The more you try not to think about it, the more what? You think about it. Some of you had that issue with ice cream. I know it. Some of you had that issue with chocolate. Whatever be your temptation thing, you, you, when you try not to think on it, you think on it all the time. Well, the way to get over thinking on something and being stuck on it is not trying not to think on it, it's to replace it with something else, to think on something right. Which brings us to point four, think on that which is right. Think on that which is right. Psalm 1, verses 1 through 2 tell us this, Blessed is the one who does not walk and step with the wicked or stand in the way of sinners uh, or sit in the company of mockers, but whose delight is in the law of the Lord and who meditates on his law day and night. Meditation on God's word is so healthy for you. You've got to think right. It's not about resisting temptation as much as putting something in there that you ought to be dwelling on. Meditate on God's word. Think on his ways and their right. And then temptation won't have its place in you as much. Next, and this is really important, sometimes you're just in the middle of temptation and it's overwhelming you. Cry out to God for deliverance. Cry out to God for deliverance in that case. This is point five. Um, um, Hebrews chapter four, verses 15 through 16 tell us this. For we do not have a high priest who is unable to sympathize with our weaknesses, but we have one who has been tempted in every way, just as we are, yet he did not sin. 
Let us then approach God's throne of grace with confidence so that we may receive mercy and find grace to help us in our time of need. Do we, we have the Savior who relates to our weaknesses? And he's ready to grace your life, which means he's ready to empower your life. And so when you're in the middle of a temptation and it's like, oh, this is upon me, cry out to God. Plead with him to come and be your rescuer, and he will rescue you. See, God has made a provision for temptation. He's made a way out. He's our deliverer. I've already listed for, for you five ways. Let me list one more way this morning. And this is a little out of the box, but I think it's important uh, to talk about. Have you ever heard the phrase, I'm not my brother's keeper? Anybody ever hear that phrase? Yeah. Well, when it comes to the body of Christ, it's a terrible phrase. Because we are a brother and sister's keeper. We really are. Listen to Galatians chapter 6, verses 1 through 2. Brothers and sisters, if someone is caught in a sin, you who live by the Spirit should restore that person gently. But watch yourselves so you also may, uh, or you also may be tempted. Carry each other's burdens, and in this way you will fulfill the law of Christ. So you've got to understand, you are your brothers, you are your sister's keeper. You are to carry each other's burdens. So when it comes to temptation, we're to be there for one another. We're to be a resource. We're part of God's provision part of God's way of escape for one another when it comes to these things that want to overwhelm us and take us down the wrong path in life. Amen? You are your brother's keeper. So, we're looking at this part of the Lord's Prayer. And lead us not into temptation, but deliver us from the evil one. That's a declaration. The implication is deliverance. God is our deliverer. And I've shown you this morning that that deliverance has many facets. He's done it for us if we'll step into the provision. We need to become aware. Listen, brothers and sisters in Jesus, we need to become aware of temptation and how it works in our lives. You need to become your own expert at this. You need to understand how this works in your life so that you can begin to do battle against it. You need to avoid temptation as much as possible. Don't dance around the edge of that baby. Get away from it as much as as you are able. Um, You need to be actively guarding your heart. How's it going in here? Are there certain categories that are on the sheet that you go, oh, I got to deal with that? Well, deal with it so that you're strong, body, soul, and spirit, so that there is not as many places for the evil one to grab a hold of your life. Meditate on the right. I find myself doing that a lot lately. The older I've gotten in the Lord, the more I meditate on the right. I meditate on who God is. I meditate on his word. I ruminate on it. I just, I just let it kind of percolate in my soul sometimes. And it's simple phrases. When I was going through some of the stuff I went through, I mean, I went through some things here physically here a few months ago where it just rocked my world. And I've talked to you about that. I had some anxiety that I've never experienced before because I'm dealing with some of these medical issues. And I begin to meditate Kind of like the ancients used to meditate. And I think church, we've lost meditation a little bit because we're so afraid of meditation in that word now because the new age has wrecked it all. But I begin to just meditate on some, stu- some of God's truth and who Jesus is. And I remember when I would begin to have a little bit of an anxiety attack, I would say, Christ into my heart. You are my God. You are my peace. You are my Savior. You are my sufficiency. And I breathe out. I go, Anxiety, you're gone. I rebuke you in the name and the blood of the Lord Jesus Christ. And I had to do that maybe 30, 40 times in a row. Nothing wrong with that. Because I'm bringing in Christ. I'm focusing on Christ. And as I breathe out, I'm saying, 
This stuff that's nasty, you're out of here. You have no place in my heart. You follow what I'm saying here? There's nothing wrong with that kind of meditation as long as it's centered on Jesus Christ. Our meditation is in nothingness. Our meditation is the Lord Jesus Christ. Amen? Following what I'm saying here? And that really helped me in my anxiety. And I've talked to a lot of people with anxiety. I said, you maybe need to do some of this. It's okay. Do this. It's good to do this. Get a verse that you really like. Peace give I to thee, Jesus says. Not as the world giveth I to thee. Peace I give to you. You know how many times? I might have quoted that baby a hundred times one day. Peace I have in Jesus. Not as the world gives. Peace I have in him that surpasses the world's peace. Amen? Meditate. Think on what is right. Cry out to God when you're overwhelmed. And there's always a brother or sister that you can probably go to when you're feeling tempted and overwhelmed by temptation. Use that resource. I'm going to close here with a word of prayer, and then we're going to sing a song and close ultimately by saying the Lord's Prayer together. Would you bow your heads, please? Our Father, you are our God, our intimate one, who's in relationship with us. Hallowed be thy name. We worship you. We exalt your name. We declare mighty is our Lord, sufficient is our Lord. You have no beginning, you have no end. You're the self-existing one. We hallow your name. Thy kingdom come, thy will be done. Lord, you're calling us to a surrendered life, to be under your kingship, to be under your will. So we today declare not our agenda, your agenda not our will, your will. We surrender to you. Give us this day our daily bread. We declare our utter dependency upon you. You are the reason for our existence. If you were to remove your presence from us this morning, we would cease to be. We would explode into nothingness. We are utterly dependent upon you. Forgive us our sins as we forgive those who sin against us. God, we rejoice in the deep cleansing that you provide. Reveal to us if there be any way way in us and, and remove it from us. For you are a holy God establishing a holy kingdom and you've called unto yourself a holy people. Help us to step into that holiness understanding of thy kingdom come, thy will be done, Lord, uh, as we deal with sin in our lives and forgiveness of sin and forgiving those who sin against us. And we surely don't want to be captive to unforgiveness. We don't want to have that captivity in our own heart, and we don't want to have others uh, in that captivity. So we release the wrongs done to us in your name and by your blood, Jesus. And we declare, you know, that, that uh, greater is he who is in us than he who is in the world. And we will not be mastered by unforgiveness and will not be mastered by the hurts that others have done to us. But we give that to you, we release that to you, and we release them, Lord, from our retaliation. And lead us not into temptation, but deliver us from the evil one. We talked on that this morning, Lord. We step into your provision of deliverance today. For thine is the kingdom and the power and the glory forever and ever. Amen.